0: Folks, welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, Jason Vantinev. As always, I'm going to start off with the most important thing I can say today. Tomorrow is election day, school board election. I've been covering it. God knows, I do not want to be covering school board elections, but it needed to be done. So uh, you got to get out and vote. If you haven't gone down, like it's it's so easy. I did it last week you get your ballot in the mail you fill it out you put it in the envelope you don't have to go get a stamp at the post office cuz we all know what the post office is, is going to be like and we we just don't want to deal with that with going down through the loop and all the construction and then just the just the the existential hell that the post office provides as a customer experience in general in the uh, the town of Estes Park, Colorado. It is just so bad. Anyway, um, and it always seems to get worse right into the run up to the holidays. Anyway, I want you to go and vote, and you just you can take it down to city hall. Um, there's that uh, election drop box for the county. It's a big metal one. It's like red, white, and blue, mostly white, right outside the cop shop. Just stick it in there. You're good to go. Um, but this is probably the most important, vital election, school board election that SS Park has ever seen. And, uh, man, people are getting energized. I've never seen a school board um, election be so energized, and it's just great. So get out there, safeguard democracy, and vote. I did it. Did you? All right, so today's going to be shorter. I got just so much writing to do. I just re-released my first ever um, supernatural thriller novel. Re-released it. New cover, actual editing. It's great. I love it. Um, I've been really just diving into learning everything about online marketing and just how to do things right. And, man, it's working. It, it really is working. I jumped from, like, point. 3 million on the Amazon sales rank to, um, down at like 122,000, um, broke the 1,000, you know, top 1,000 books in different genres. Um, it's a start. I mean, it's not, it's, it it just shows that like what I'm doing is starting to work and it takes time for these things to kind of start working, but you know, using all the keywords and the description, just everything else, just really, I've just decided that's it you know, after having some experiences with real publishers, um, I, uh, I've, I've, I kind of always wanted to keep my, at least a supernatural fiction series, Colorado's chance as my test bed so that I could really see, you know, which does better. Cause we are in a brave new world of publishing right now. And so, um, you know, I I've seen some good things. I, I got some flyers. I'm gonna be working with some local businesses to get flyers with QR codes and copy, and you know, it's got got some teaser text on there and some of the illustrations that I've I've you know created um, based on scenes in the book. Um, and uh, I have a new video out. It's up on the Amazon page. Working with the A plus Amazon page content which is like the ones that you see that have like from the publisher that have like three panels that you know are expanded and whatnot. So, you know, just trying to incorporate all of it that with TikTok and Facebook and Goodreads. Um so yeah, and here's what I'll say. Like right now I have lowered the price of the the Kindle books and if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read it for free. Um but if you don't, it's only like it it's a very discounted price, it's like a couple bucks. Um, and I'm doing that to spur um, just reader engagement and word of mouth. So here's the deal: if you don't have Kindle Unlimited and you're a paying member of the Colorado Switchblade, um, and you 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 want a copy of this for free, I will send you the ebook, the PDF um, for free. You just have to email me Jason at Colorado Switchblade. And I'll check the your email, email me from the, the email address that you have a membership with, a paid membership, it could be the five dollars a month one. And um I will send you a free copy of it. Um but but the deal is you gotta you gotta post a review on Amazon because that really helps a lot with the algorithms and placement and everything else. Um and I'm not telling you to, you know, give me a, a blowing smoke up my ass review. I'm just saying. You know, give it an honest review what you really thought of the story. And um, that's it. So I'll give you a free copy for a limited time. That's not going to go on indefinitely. And the prices are going to come up. It's just you want to go lower, especially on the ebooks when you first put out a new book, because it just spurs word of mouth and, you know, reviews and, and things like that. So right now you can go get it. There'll be a, a little um, picture of the cover of the book, Colorado's Chance of Firewalker. It's got like an elk. Looking thing, kind of a mystical interdimensional elk with some walking out of like a fire or a forest fire and and it's got some like mystical glyphs up above it. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Um and uh, yeah, please write a review. So we're gonna we're gonna just gonna be a quick episode today. I've got a short interview with Jessica Denson. Now I, I posted the video of my interview on her podcast the lights on, which is, um, it's produced by, uh, Midas, uh, Midas touch who does like Michael Cohen's podcast and, you know, a bunch of these other ones. Um, but, uh, I, I felt there was just more of a human story with her and her recent, um, victories against the Trump campaign. um, so, uh, yeah, so, like, you might be asking, who is Jessica Denson? So Jessica Denson, she's, she's a seasoned journalist. She's a fierce advocate for truth and democracy. She just recently had a legal battle against Donald Trump's campaign um, and a testament to her, you know, unwavering commitment to free speech and transparency, and um, this is an exclusive interview with her. And, um, yeah, like I said, she's a host of the podcast Lights On, which is uh, grown and grown. Um, but they they had first reached a settlement in January, back in January, and a preliminary, it was preliminarily, preliminarily approved in June when Jessica Denson determined to break the silence imposed by NDAs, non disclosure agreements, and this is something that we we this is just a conversation we have to have as a country about NDAs because it's really a silencing technique, you know, part of what I wrote about in Colorado's Chance was you know the the real life scenario when the um pandemic lockdowns happened one of the m- major major employers and you know uh, tourist att- attraction draws um kicked out all their J1 visa workers like they turned off the heat and they kicked them to the street and they they served they made them sign NDAs under like this bogus threat of we're going to we're going to sue you and these are people from all over the country their visa is is um, their visa status is is intricately linked to having employment, and they were just kicked out. No safety net, no nothing. Heat turned off, served with NDAs and, and legal threats, and, and kicked to the curb. They wound up on a lot of our couches, and um, it was kind of the seed to why I originally wrote that. But NDAs are, are a big deal, so. Um, it was, what, two Wednesdays back, the, uh, maybe three, the, the final legal action that the agreement was formalized make, it marked a historic moment that voided all of the NDAs that former staff members of Trump's 26 campaign had to follow. Um, but I just wanted to talk with her about her journey from, because she was an actress before this and a journalist. She had been doing TV shows and, um, and, and a bunch of different stuff. She went to school for journalism. And then got swept up in the Trump campaign, and then saw the the ugly reality of it, and then decided to say, you know what, I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna exit stage left. And um, yeah. So the the, the in Trump's 2024 campaign, they've been uh, downplaying the significance of the Denson case, arguing that the 2016 campaign workers were informed in 2022 that their NDAs were no longer valid. However, Denson's legal team. Um, which I think is protect democracy. These are people that I work with a lot. My or I, I see a lot. I I interface with them um, doing my my speaking engagements with with uh, Georgetown Law's ICAP. Um. Anyway, um. They they were highlighting that there was just a lot of of vagueness in those agreements, the NDAs signed by the 2016 staffers, and that prohibited them from demeaning or disparagingly. With disparaging publicity, which is – I think that's literally the definition coming from the Trump campaign um, and their tactics that we see every day in all of these court cases. Um, and then they, they actually got a settlement, and uh, a total of $450,000 $450, was allocated, which – most of the funds were designated for covering legal fees and expenses, but Jessica herself was set to receive, I don't know, like $25,000, something like that. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I just wanted to kind of dive into the human experience of what she had gone through um, because, you know, I I myself, having testified before Congress during the January 6th committee, you know, these these can be very jarring experiences, um, to be thrust into kind of a national and international spotlight doing this. And I just thought it would be, a, you know, we kind of connected when we I did my interview on her show. And um, I just wanted to to explore that human connection a little bit, that that human experience. Um, and so that's the, uh, the interview that we're going to have today. And um, before we get into that, I just created a new... Uh, audio commercial for my book. So because I have no other sponsors right now, you guys are gonna get to listen to it. And uh let me know what you think. Um I'm gonna be I'm um, I'm also crafting a TikTok campaign. Um that'll have a lot of reader interactions. So keep an eye out for that. If you don't follow me at on TikTok, it's was this at Jason dot van tat is how you find me on TikTok. And that's that's kind of just my life as a writer and artist and, um, you know, videos of my dog and just weird things that pop up being a, a, an author and, um, yeah. And, and information about my books and these, these, you know, little, uh, advertising campaigns I'm doing. So just, uh, take a look and, and tell me what you think. But right now we're going to go ahead and, uh, take a listen to the materials I've created to help market, my, uh, the re-release of my first novel Colorado's Chance the Firewalker Have you ever visited the breathtaking landscapes of Estes Park, Colorado and wished your adventure didn't have to end Now you can continue the journey with Colorado's Chance the Firewalker A thrilling supernatural adventure set right in Estes Park, Rocky Mountain National Park, and Aspen Follow the story of Chance Van Horn a seasoned journalist, as he delves into mysterious occurrences at the Summit Hotel, navigating through a labyrinth of danger, enigmatic symbols, and dark secrets, and joins summer and winter his adventurous nieces as they uncover hidden realms and mystical libraries, all set against the stunning backdrop of Colorado's Rockies. Whether you've visited Estes Park, call it home, or have yet to experience its wonders... This novel brings the magic of the mountains to life, weaving a tale of suspense, mystery, and unbreakable bonds of family. So are you ready to dive back into the beauty of Colorado and embark on an unforgettable supernatural adventure? Grab your copy of Colorado's Chance, The Firewalker, today, available on Amazon.com. Don't miss out on this journey of mystery, resilience, and the magic of the supernatural. Crafted by SS Park's own Jason Van Tatenhove. Not too bad, right? I dig it. The videos are the better. You know, check that out. I did a whole post of it. So just look back one post and you'll be able to watch it there. All right. Well, I got a lot of writing to do. I got my writers group tonight. So uh, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into the interview. So here we go. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, Jason Van Tietno, And today we have on a special guest, uh, Jessica Denson, who you may or may not know about. She's been in the news before. And we actually connected when she reached out to me uh to do to to do an interview on her podcast. But I found her story so intriguing and and kind of a along similar lines or similar parallels to to some of the, the the themes in my own life that I thought it'd be a real just Interesting conversation. Have her come on and talk about the experience that she's been through. So, Jessica, thanks for coming on. Welcome to the Colorado Switchblade. And um, if you would, could you just introduce yourself to my listening audience and and kind of just tell us who you are?
1: Well, first of all, Jason, thanks so much for having me. We absolutely loved having you on Lights On um, my podcast. But um, yes, my name is Jessica Denson, and I have basically spent the last going on six years of my life litig- litigating against Donald Trump by way of suing his uh, campaign. Um, and this this started out, um, which we can definitely dive into more, as kind of a very um, existential, moral, and spiritual crisis that I had back in 2017 as to whether or not I was going to take legal action about some very horrific workplace experiences I had. And it um, became this kind of unbelievable um, legal journey, political awakening, um, where I realized how badly duped and misled I had been into supporting Donald Trump in the first place. And in the in the course of this, it, it, in and out of arbitration in court, um, we invalidated hundreds of Trump campaign NDAs, basically his infamous... Uh, ludicrous illegal NDA that he's been using in one variation or another for decades to to silence criticism and and punish really punish and censor his critics. We invalidated these through the courts. So um, that's a little bit of my background, and um, I'm really excited to be here and talk to you more about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you were before you kind of got involved in in the Trump campaign and and the the political halls that you walk now you were an actress, right?
1: Yeah, I am an actress. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, that is my first love. That is my first love. I actually, I've been acting since I was, I don't know, eight. Um, When I was 14, my, my mother and I moved from back east from Northern Virginia, DC suburbs to California. So I could more actively pursue it. Um, and then I um, I did a little bit, um, and then I went to college, and I wanted to, I initially had, had thought I would study theater, but I made the choice to study another love of mine, which is journalism, to have kind of a real, you know, solid educational background in another field. And I absolutely loved journalism, I was really successful in college as a journalist. Um, and then I graduated and, you know, everybody thought I was going to be going into the news business and I'm like, see ya back to LA (laughs) back to my acting career. So, um, through my twenties, I worked, um, kind of between LA and New York. And I would say that I had more success in New York. I was booking, um, starting to book TV shows and, um, you know, do more significant work. In New York, anybody who has, uh, I think, pursued a career as an actor without having a direct line via nepotism into (laughs) some very great roles knows that it is not an easy road to hoe. Um, It's it's challenging. There are ups and downs. But the ironic thing is that um, right before I started my work on the Trump campaign, I was probably doing, uh, you know, I I was doing as well as I had ever done in my acting career. and looking forward to continuing it. <laughs> and this was not, you know, I never had political ambitions. Um, I I kind of always had the feeling that politics was best influenced from the outside. But, 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 and here's the, the horrific caveat. I had been sucked into the Fox News vortex for at least the past eight years, at least the entirety of the Obama administration. Um, And I would say that was instrumental in, in making me think that we were dealing with some existential threat from the Democrats. Trump comes around and I see him as, you know, this outsider that can bring the change we need and confront, you know, all the boogeymen in government that I was led to believe existed by the Fox News of the world. And, um, and so I pursued an opportunity to help Donald Trump, God help me, uh, become the president of our, of our country. So well, that's that's kind of how it started
0: and and I think that's a common <laughs> story, more common than we might think. I mean, i for me, i i my first love also was theater or acting. Mine was more specifically theater. Um, and uh, you know, then went on to art school. and i I get asked so often, how could someone who comes from a background like you get sucked into this? But it really it's it it happens more than people think. And yeah, it
1: really. Um,
0: yeah. I think that that's something that we need to be aware of that, you know, we are a product of the media that we are consuming. And, um, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit on your podcast. Um, and, and, you know, that really is um, one of the gateways into kind of going down a path that maybe you wouldn't have seen yourself going down before. So so tell us, how did you start? getting into politics what what led you to because you were were you a staffer for the campaign what what did you do with the trump campaign i
1: was a staffer i was a staffer i literally met somebody outside of trump tower who ended up connecting me with the department that he worked for which was the data department um this often gets confused Back when there was more scrutiny on the Trump campaign, their data department was often associated with Brad Parscale. But under his umbrella, there was a smaller data department run by an individual named Camilo Sandoval. Um, I encourage your listeners to Google him and his uh, tenure in the Trump administration for details that uh, <clears throat> are not so, um, not so wonderful. Um, but I ended up getting hired under, in his department, in the data department. Um, it was... A miserable experience, Um, but I, you know, I just put my head down and did my work. And very shortly thereafter, about two weeks in, um, I was asked to do a a translation project by Steve Bannon because I'm bilingual; I speak Spanish. Okay. And um, and Steve Bannon was very impressed with my work and promoted me to essentially lead the Hispanic engagement effort for that campaign—the first, you know, campaign-based effort of its kind. And so I started building out, basically from the ground up, a Hispanic engagement effort, rebranding the logo, <clears throat> making the Twitter site bilingual, you know, doing campaign uh, literature that was bilingual, <clears throat> and, um, you know, I that was that was my project. I did that for this campaign for again a short time, until my work came under siege by the man who had hired me, Camilo Sandoval and another woman who he um, basically used her, I would say, jealousy and envy. She knew how much I was getting paid. I was getting paid quite well, and she was having a problem getting paid at all. And so this man that had hired me used her grievances as kind of a wedge issue to absolutely sabotage me. And I, I ended up going through what was, Jason, just a complete completely horrific and terrifying experience. I was falsely accused of leaking Trump's taxes. I was falsely accused of shopping bids to the media. I was banned from Trump Tower. Um, <clears throat> I was basically branded as a criminal on this campaign, and I had no resources. every time I would try to correct the record or fight back, they would further ostracize me. And it was it was just uh, terrifying. Absolutely terrifying!
0: Wow, and I can only imagine from other stories we've heard coming out, um, which hopefully there will be more now because of the the victory with the non-disclosure agreements. Um, but yep. it, it, I mean, it sounds like th- this is not an isolated story that that these types of of uh, just horrific working environment stories are fairly commonplace. Is is that what you would think from your experience?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this is you know, this, I think the Trump campaign boiled down and really the Trump White House is the same thing. There was such, it was so ego driven from the top. And this was a major disconnect that I had because I was so horrifically treated by other staffers and had some some momentarily positive interactions with Donald Trump that I, I failed to make the connection at that moment, At in that in that time in 2016, I failed to make the connection with Donald Trump, the man. I thought, "Oh, he's the good guy, and he's got all these shitty people working for him." <laughs> well, <clears throat> little did naive Jessica know that the corruption was stemming straight from the top. And um, that's what you have when you have this ego-driven, narcissism-driven um, you know structure. Everybody below is just in a, you know, incessant power battle for their own survival. There are no guardrails. There are no, you know, ethics guidelines. There is no um, baseline standard for treating people with decency and dignity. Um, and in fact, the people who are the most flagrantly corrupt are the ones who ultimately survive. And that's what makes an organization, and in Donald Trump's case, what became the presidency um, such a dangerous, you know, a dangerous concept.
0: So fast forward. Um you how did you decide to to fight back? What was it in your your life that said, you know what? I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm going to stand up for myself and and hopefully other people and and really decide to 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 take on this battle.
1: Well, Jason, it absolutely was that it was realizing that I had to stand up for myself. And I I had fought this. I had basically fought this for a year, you know, knowing that I had this legal case meaning the workplace case. I had this legal claim And wanting more than anything, I mean, you know, take away the construct of Donald Trump or politics or anybody, nobody, I think a lot of people would be hesitant to want to dive in to a massive lawsuit like this. I mean, you want to, you want to think that there's another way to handle things. You know, I, in my case, wanted to think, I know there are so many lessons I can learn. For myself you know i can reform myself be better next time stand up for myself you know not let myself and this is a this is a massive i think gaslighting a thing that a lot of people that deal with abusive situations have to deal with but you think i could have done something to not be treated so horribly right yeah <clears throat> and so i thought i could make all those corrections on a personal level and go forward and you know i'm a very spiritually minded person i you know, I pray a lot. I turn to God and I, I did a lot of prayer about this. And I, you know, studied, studied the Bible, studied my spiritual resources leading up to this. And I, and I wanted to find peace in this notion that I was going to forgive everybody, reform myself and move forward. And, you know, Jason, I came to the year, a year out from 2016, when, when my, my, claims, the statute of limitations on my claims was about to expire. And I had decided I'm not going to do this. I'm going to move on. And, and it was like, God would not let me do that. I had a very intense um, couple of days. I remember one night where I just, you know, my eyes were burning so much from having cried so much. Um, This is a really interesting (laughs) and ironic Piece of this, but Donald Trump at the time was in South Korea. And he had given this speech that, you know, not his sentiments, but his words, probably written by Stephen Miller. I worked with Stephen Miller. I know he can write some, you know, lovely sounding speeches. And Donald Trump gave this speech about, you know, the United States being the light that's shining in the darkness, democracy being the light that's shining in darkness. And At this point, I wasn't off the Trump train, so I was still listening to Donald Trump's words and thinking that they were inspirational, (laughs) believe it or not. And his words in that speech, like I said, not his heart, but his out of his mouth, were actually an inspiration to me in that moment To that I could not let my light die, that I had to shine bright, that I had to defeat these dark forces that I had experienced. And I literally woke up the next day with very little sleep, um, pulled out a draft complaint that I had started working on, and I finalized it. And I went and filed a pro se pro se, defamation and human rights lawsuit against the Trump campaign.
0: And it, it's been a long battle since. And yes. you, you've <clears throat> seen some victory now, finally.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So right out of the gate, on, that was November of 2017, Christmas Eve, 2017, they filed a $1.5 million lawsuit against me in arbitration for having violated their NDA. And this is where the whole NDA battle started. So I ended up um, not the plan at all. I mean, I thought I would file it and, and get some help with a legal team. That did not happen. I, I searched <clears throat> incessantly for a year for legal help in the course of that, ended up suing the first time pro se to void this NDA. I never entered their arbitration. I got one amazing victory in state court saying that my claims could stay in open court and were not guided by the NDA's arbitration clause. I got another loss saying that my NDA claim had to be arbitrated, ultimately ended in a $50,000 judgment against me. And at, at that moment, a year later, I finally got my two first lawyers And we started fighting um, this illegal NDA judgment um, that I lived with for over a year of the Trump administration. Very, very frightening. Fast forward, we get it overturned. We get joined by this amazing team at Protect Democracy. And we bring, at this point, what is our second iteration of a class action to void all Trump NDAs. And we get this amazing trajectory from our judge to actually get a ruling on summary judgment before we even get to the class aspect of it, of it. And I win in 2021 getting my NDA voided with a court precedent, which again, completely divine, like you could not have predicted or planned this traje- trajectory. Um, But I get a court precedent, which is unheard of for an arbitration agreement that these NDAs are invalid. And then this culminates in Last week, what's ultimately a complete concession from the campaign in the settlement that voids 422 at minimum, that's the number they gave us, I happen to think it's much higher, Um, illegally issued non-disclosure agreements from the Trump campaign.
0: And how do you feel that that judgment will affect things moving forward as far as other people's coming forward? Have have you had people reach out to you um, that, that have been in similar situations?
1: You know, it's funny, Jason. Um, I was really a persona non grata in this campaign, and that that has there's very little that has changed from that. I think one one woman years ago reached out to me and asked to join uh, join me actually as a um, she's somebody actually who experienced a similar experience that I did with this Camilo Sandoval character, and then she got she got cold feet immediately. She got really scared, and that's just that's an indication of how how real these NDAs were to people. Um, you know, there've been a lot of legal commentators out there who have said, oh, they're not worth the paper they're written on, they're obviously illegal. Yeah, well, try telling that to someone who signed them. These are these were very real things to people. And, and so she, she backed out, um, you know, wouldn't even show up for a deposition twice in my case because she was so terrified. Um, I have not, believe it or not, Jason heard from others um,
0: yeah, I believe it because I, I get asked that question a lot <laughs> t- as well, and yeah. you know, I I try not to make myself easily contact <laughs> contacted, but um,
1: contacted. Yeah, I way. don't
0: know if they would otherwise anyway. So, um, yeah. So, but
1: but but I, I I mean to answer your question of what I hope this this is to me, the lever of fear, the lever of concern has been lifted for them, and you know we are in such a existential moment in our democracy, I hope, I hope that they take this. This is like a carte blanche now to speak and to speak the truth. And I with all the other considerations, because people have many that they take into, you know, many calculations they make as to what they're going to say or do. But I hope they understand that this lever of fear is removed from them. And there are no more, you know, at least legal excuses not to speak and that they really seize on this opportunity. Um if they're so inclined and God hope God you know willing they are.
0: Well I, I certainly hope so. I think now I, I agree with you. I think we are at a crossroads with our democracy. I think that we are just in a very pivotal historic era um where you know if, if things go a certain way, we may actually see the loss of our our functioning democracy. Um, yes. And uh so I think the more we speak the truth um the more impact it has because you know we've gotten to a period in time where you know the truth really hasn't mattered for a long time especially when you look at trump world and, and what's been going on it just seems like there's this this disconnect between the reality of things and um the messaging that's happening so i think we need voices of truth to counteract that i think that's our best inoculation um, moving forward so i I certainly hope people will first realize that that this has happened and that it opens up you know a, a protection a protected venue for you to 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 speak your truth
1: absolutely and that should have you know they should have never been foreclosed that opportunity to begin with you, you know you have Donald Trump there out there right now claiming that his free speech rights have been violated because he has a gag order when, in fact, he's a criminal defendant who's enjoying the privilege of not sitting in a jail cell. And I, I I just think it's so vital for people to understand how rich these claims are from someone like Donald Trump, who literally illegally gagged and muzzled, who may have been his most you know, significant critics for the entirety of his presidency and while he was running for re-election in 2020. You know, just sit with that for a minute
0: yeah so let's let's talk about what you got going on now you you've got a new podcast, obviously it's a new day now. it's a new era and um, it, it sounds <laughs> like you're doing some some pretty cool things. Tell us about your podcast. How did you get into podcasting?
1: You know what Jason I have um, I, I didn't I didn't ever see myself doing a podcast and um, I just Felt I had done a few uh, appearances on the Midas Touch Network. I have only this is this is no secret. I mean, your viewers may be hearing about me for the first time. My story has not really been mainstreamed by the media at any point, notwithstanding some very significant victories, not including the, uh, you know the least of which is this, or the last one is extremely significant. Um, but I kind of it was partially a lot of requests for me to do it and just feeling like there was no time for me to waste i couldn't wait for someone else to give me a platform to raise these alarms and to share what i knew and so um i kind of just started it with that spirit of we don't have time to waste and i have a voice that you know is is relevant and important that so many people have shared with me has meant so much to them and so I started Lights On a few months ago, um, you know, kind of in the midst of this whole battle for me has been in the midst of some kind of unthinkable circumstances I've been dealing with personally. And I am writing as well. I haven't had the luxury of, you know, going on some retreat to write my book. I've had to write my book in the midst of very, very challenging circumstances. So, you know, that's kind of I certainly understand just that. <laughs> you get it. I know. And I read your book and you, you can, you can tell that you've dealt with this and, and you understand. Um, so I'm writing and I'm doing the podcast, um, you know, just to, to continue to shine this light. Like, like we started off, you know, I'm an artist. That's what fills my heart. That's what makes me happy creativity. Um, but I think no matter what our field is right now, we have to realize this moment we're living in and really seize it Um we are the ones, you know, I say this on Lights On, we're the ones living in this moment in history to determine our future, to To determine whether we stay as a free country and stay as that, you know, that beacon, that city on a hill. Um, are we going to let it fall on our watch? I, I I couldn't I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do my part.
0: Yeah, no one is coming to save us. I say that all the time that, you know, it really is up to us and us deciding in our own personal you know, life experience that I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I can to to try to stop this from happening.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. You are.
0: Well, Jessica, I wanna just say thanks um for, for coming on and telling us your story. Is there anything you'd like to touch on that we haven't already discussed?
1: Well you know, only in the sense of this opportunity that people now have to speak. You know, you and I were, were having a little conversation before we jumped on this recording about, um, you know, I shared with you the retrospect, the the kind of um, thinking I have of how I would feel if I had not taken that initial action back in 2017. You know, if I had to live through the Trump years um, and you know January sixth and everything we're going through now, knowing that I had an opportunity back then to speak and I didn't, um, I don't think I could deal with that. Like I don't think I could live with that. And I know that you know people have varying degrees of of conscience, okay, <laughs> or what they allow to affect their decisions. But I just really hope people hone in on. Um, this opportunity and seize it. Seize it now. Don't let it pass you by. Um this is a this is an an incredible opportunity that you have to uh be active, to use your voice and to determine where we go from here.
0: Absolutely. And I can echo that sentiment sentiment when with my own decision to to become public with what I was become very public with what I was saying um previously kind of behind the scenes, but when I was asked to testify before the January 6th committee, you know, it really that's that's a daunting thing. And, you know, just yeah. someone who mostly, you know, works out of his house um and doesn't really <laughs> engage all that much with the world, um, to suddenly be thrust onto a world stage like that, you know. And I didn't think I was going to be selected. They had a thousand people they could have chosen on, but I did decide, you know, and, and actually this this came from from some a talk I had had with my doctor of all people, who's, who's a med- local medical director here. And he follows my work, both in the newspaper and, and my books and such. And, and, you know, he said to me, Jason, you know, what, what you really got to think about is, you know, not necessarily because I was worried about threats. I was worried about the safety of me and my family. I was worried about all these other things, but he put it in a pretty clear terms when he said, Jason, how are you going to feel in 20 years? If you don't do it, if you don't take the opportunity that the world gives you, Even if it's unexpected, Um, and and you you look at what the world may become, and and have to look at your daughters, you know how are you going to feel with that? And that really was one of my motivating internal prompts to say, you know what, if 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 the universe is going to put me here, then I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do it. So I I I just want to echo your sentiment with with you know if someone's out there and you've got a story to tell, you know it it can be. Um it, it can help. I think it can.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You frame that very, very aptly, Jason.
0: All right, Jessica. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking the uh time out of your day to to come on and talk with us. And uh how can people, if they want to catch your podcast? I have it links up to it already on the the switchblade, but it, it, when does it usually come on? What's the best way to catch it? Um yes. Yeah.
1: Thank you for asking. Um, if you, if you, first of all, if you go to the Jessica Denson.com, you can find all my links. Um, but you can also follow my YouTube channel, Jessica Denson, and you'll find we do it routinely every Friday live at 4. PM Pacific, 7. PM Eastern. We also drop episodes throughout the week, um, you know, with all spectrum of really interesting guests, yourself included, so, um, you know, check us out live on Friday nights, and also just you know just keep keep a keep an eye on the Lights On playlist for when we're dropping those episodes throughout the week.
0: All right, folks, that's going to do it for today. Again, go vote, go vote. Voting is the most important thing you can do to save democracy. You got to do it by tomorrow if you haven't done it already. So go drop off your ballots if you're in any of these contested school districts. Even if you're not. Go vote on your local school district. It's important. All right, folks, I'll talk to you again next week. Stay classy, Colorado.